up Driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's a lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day I gotta see I gotta look around I got diesel smoke rolling From two crumb stacks My address is 408-414 A big blue mag Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day that I die I said hey This is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, and the road is our life, and we're going to dedicate today's program to all you drivers out there on that old lonesome road, and I'm going to be playing some truck driving songs, and I play these because that's what I like, and I've wrote some of these. As a matter of fact, this one right here is a song I wrote, and my dad was a trucker back when I was in high school, back in the 60s. I remember Dad, he had a, a semi that didn't even have a sleeper. And he run all over the country in that semi. And he would talk about that board that he had behind his seat. That was his bed. When it got time to, for him to pull over and go to bed, he would pull that board out behind his seat, put it across his seats, and he had a cutout in that board for his gear shift. And he would make his bed right there across his seats. And that was his bed. And that was old school trucking right there. And I wrote a lot of that, what my dad used to talk about, in this song right here. And it's called Back Before CB Radios. And I got a guy by the name of Bob Hartsell from North Carolina helped me put this to music. Took it down to Bill Shell Studio in southern Illinois and Bill Shell 
put the finishing touch to this song, and I just love it. And I hope you do too. If you do, this is off of our Lonesome Road Volume 2 CD, and you can get your very own copy. Give us a call, 618-383-2107, or log on to lonesomeroad.org and order your copy today. This is Back Before CB Radios. Today's program is called Our Father's Footsteps and talking about my dad and how much I love my dad and wrote that song back before CB radios, thinking about my dad. And here's another song that I wrote thinking about my dad, how much I loved him, and it's called A Father's Love. And Bill Shell down in southern Illinois helped me with this 
song here. He done the music and done the vocals for me, and he can help you with your lyrics. If you give him a call, he's his phone number is 618-499-9439. He's got a great studio, and he just loves helping out people like you and me that uh, have written down some lyrics and don't know what to do with them. So give Bill Shell a call, 618-499-9439, as you listen to this song here that Bill helped me with called A Father's Love. This is for my dad. He sent me off to college And my kids call him Grandpa I owe him for more than knowledge No way to repay it all It's not easy to be a father Because a father's love can never be replaced I thank the Lord above for daddy's mercy and his grace It doesn't matter how hard you try How many tears you cry There's just no way to replace Father's love As I look into my children's eyes I see only love and trust And I think I understand Just why Jesus died for us Because a father's love can never 
John chapter 10, 10, it says, the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. The devil is always whispering in our ears to do stupid things, to do things that will get us trouble with things that will kill us. But Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. If we will just turn to him, we can have a good and prosperous life. 1995, me and my wife Linda was having a terrible time with our marriage because I was a drug addict and because I was an alcoholic. And she started going to church and taking our kids to church. And I thought, well, if I would just go to church, maybe our marriage would get better. You know, many times uh, my wife had prayed for me. She even called the 700 Club in, in back in the 80s and prayed for me when I was really, really bad on drugs. And she called the 700 Club and had them pray for me. And then she started going to this church in the 90s. And I thought, well, if, if I just go to church, maybe things will get better. So I started going to church out there with her. And I'll tell you, soon as the first day I walked into that church, I looked and I saw a picture of Jesus hanging on the wall. And I got under conviction. And every time I walked in that church, I was under conviction. I just could not wait to get out of there and get home so I could open a beer and get back into my safe mode. And I finally quit going to that church because there was such conviction out there. And I knew that I needed to change my life, but I was scared. I was scared to get out of my comfort zone. One night, me and Linda got in this huge fight, and I just told her to get on out, and I'm done. And she laughed, and she went to her pastor's house. And he called me that night and asked if he could come down and talk to me. And I said, sure, come on. And I was drinking beer that night. I drank beer every night. And when I heard him knock on the door, I took my beer and hid it behind my chair because I didn't want that pastor to see me drinking. And I had that much respect for him. I had that much respect for, for God that I hid my beer. And I let him come in, and he asked if he could read a little book to me. He had a little bitty book called Eternal Life. And I said, sure, go ahead. And he started reading that book to me, and... I looked out the window, I looked at the TV, I looked at the ceiling, I looked everywhere except that little book. But I heard every word he said. And at the end of that book, he said, if you'll say this little prayer with me, there was a prayer at the end of this book, and he said, if you'll say this prayer with me, God's gonna save you right now. Would you do that? And I said, no, I don't think this is for me. And he said, okay, and he closed the book, handed it to me, and he left. So I got up the next morning about 4 a.m. and I got in my semi and I took off and I headed up north. And about an hour away, right over by Nashville, Illinois, I just started crying. And I didn't even know why I was crying. And I started talking to God and I heard myself talking to God and I thought, well, I don't even know if there is a God, you know? I don't know about all this. And so I said, God, if you're really real, prove it to me. Give me a sign. And I drove up the road a little ways. It just getting daylight, I'd quit crying. And I looked out into the field and there was a little bitty sign out there that said, Christ is the answer. And I thought immediately, that's what I asked for. I asked for a sign and there's a sign from God. And the devil jumped in there. And if any of you have seen these cartoons with the devil on one shoulder and 
an angel on the other shoulder. That's exactly the way it was that morning. That devil popped up there and he said, that's not from God. When you asked for a sign, you didn't mean you wanted a sign. You meant you want something else, something real, something that would prove to you that God is real. And I agreed with him. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's right. So I said, God, I started talking to God again. I said, God, when I asked for a sign, I didn't mean I wanted a sign. I meant I want something else, something real, something that will prove to me that you're real. And so I drove on up the road. Just a little while later, this white van pulled up beside of me, and I, I looked down in that van, and this lady rolled down her window and stuck her arm out the window and with her thumb pointed up to the sky. And I thought, well, what's that all about? What's going on here? And as the little van rolled by, I seen it was a church van. And I thought, well, that's a church lady. She's telling me God's up there and he's listening. And then that devil popped up and he really laughed at me there. And he said, she's not from God. What kind of church lady is she? This is Sunday morning and she's not even in church. And I thought, yeah, that's right. But after I thought about it a little while, I thought, well, she's a church lady, but she's probably picking up people to take to church. And so, uh, but I'd already agreed with the devil and said that wasn't good enough. And so I drove on. And I got up to my destination up in Galena, Illinois, and I unloaded my tanker, and I sat on a five-gallon bucket and talked to God. You know, talking to God is just prayer. That is communication between God. That's the way we communicate with God is through prayer. And whether it's a conversation or you're down on your knees praying, that is prayer. And so I, I was praying and asking God to please prove to me that he's real. I need something big, something that would prove to me that you're real, God. And I got unloaded and left there and I was driving through Rockford, Illinois. And I just started talking to God again. And I said, God, I've got to have something big, something that will prove to me that you're real. And I turned south and went down I-39 and just a little ways down there, I looked out into the field and there was a big sign. I mean a big sign. And on this sign was the face of Jesus Christ. He had a crown of thorns and he was pointing at me blood dripping off his finger and the sign read this one's for you and when i looked in the face of jesus christ and looked in his eyes and i seen that he was pointing at me and the caption that said this one's for you i knew that this was my last chance and if i didn't do something right away i would be lost forever and so i cried out to god and i and i tried to remember how that little prayer went that the preacher had brought to me the night before, and I couldn't remember how it went, but I just prayed from my heart, and I asked God to please come into my heart and save me. I told God I would do anything he wanted me to do. I would go anywhere he wanted me to go. I would say anything he wanted me to say if he would just save me, and that moment, it felt like the weight of the world had come off of my chest, and it felt like I was floating, and that's when Jesus Christ came into my heart and God saved me out on the highway, driving 65 mile an hour down the road. And it felt like I was floating. And I remember I floated on home. And I got off the exit down there at Mount Vernon, Illinois, and the devil spoke to me. 
And he said, don't tell anybody. They're not going to believe you. And they're going to laugh at you. And I thought, well, that's probably right. I'm not sure I believe this. And so I got home the next, that night and my wife was in bed. And so I went to bed and I got up the next morning and my wife was in the kitchen. And I walked in the kitchen and she took one look at me and she said, what's going on? I said, what do you mean? She said, there's something different about you. I said, I got saved. I got saved out on the highway. And I told her all about the signs and everything that had happened to me. And she said, well, you got to call the pastor. You got to call him and tell him what happened to you. So I did. I called him and, and I started to tell him. I said, Russ, I got something I need to tell you. He said, I'll be right there. And so he came into town and I told him what had happened. And he said, I knew it, brother. I knew it. The Holy Spirit had already told me. And he said, now you got to tell the church on Sunday. And I said, oh, Russ, I don't think I can do that. He said, well, you got to. And those words that I'd prayed to Jesus out there on the highway came back to me. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. And I'll say anything you want me to say. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And so I did. I, the, I shared my testimony the next Sunday in the church. And I've been sharing my testimony ever since. And God has blessed me in so many ways that I can't even imagine. I remember I told God I wanted to serve him. I didn't want to go back and sit in a church and do nothing. And so I started thinking and wanting to serve God in such a powerful way. I started trying to figure out how am I going to serve God? What can I do for God? I, I don't have no talent and I can't do anything, And uh, but I can pray. And so I started praying and asking God to please use me. I remember the preacher coming to me and, and asking me, he said, well, you're a new Christian. You, I'm sure you got lots of questions. I said, oh, Russ, I've got so many questions. To, I got so much going through my mind all week long, but uh, I can't think of anything I want to ask you right now. He said, that's all right, brother. He said, just start writing things down that's going through your mind. And, and when you get here on Sunday, and if you got any questions, we'll talk about it. And so I did. That's what I did. I started writing things down. And I just write things down that was going through my mind and all week long. And I'd have a whole page of things written out and I read them to my wife and, but they didn't make no sense. I mean, they didn't, there wasn't questions. They were just phrases that I wrote out. I remember my wife reading that and she said, uh-huh. I said, what do you make of all this? She said, I don't know. What is it? And I said, well, I don't know either. And, but anyway, every one of those lines has been a different song that God has given me to write. And I remember reading, I wrote my testimony out and I read it in church one day and a guy came up to me and he said, hey, that'd make a good song. You ever thought about writing songs? And I said, no, never thought about it, never have. But maybe that's what God wants me to do. So I started trying to write songs. I bought some books on how to write songs and, and started uh, putting some of this stuff that was going through my mind into song format and every one of those lines that was on that page has been a different song that God has given me to write. And I just knew that God had a plan and had something for me to do. I didn't know what it was, but I'd read my Bible and I started teaching Sunday school. I thought I've got to do something for God. So I started trying to teach Sunday school and I found out I wasn't no teacher, but God had me doing that for one reason. And that was so he could teach me. <laughs> God wants to teach us. He has a plan for our lives. He has to raise us up out of the ashes 
into places that he can use us. And teaching that Sunday school class, I learned every day teaching that class because I had to study so hard just to teach a, a small class on Sunday morning that I, it took me all week to prepare for that Sunday school class. And I would study hard and I would teach that class to the best of my ability. In 2000, the Sunday school class bought me a book for my birthday called The Prayer of Jabez. And I started reading that book and praying that prayer in there and asking God to bless me and use me and make a, let me help me to make a difference everywhere I go. It wasn't long after that that God spoke to me to start a cassette tape ministry. And in October of 2000, I started a cassette tape ministry. God told me to put my testimony on a cassette and those songs that he had been giving me, they was for this ministry to put them on the tapes and get them out to people out on the road. And I remember my dad, after I got saved, he came to me and he said, uh, you probably don't know this, but uh, I was baptized once. <laughs> I said, no, I didn't know that. And my dad seen me, watched me after I got saved and he knew that it was real. And he bought the very first tape duplicator for my ministry. And he wasn't even saved yet. And him and my mom became a part of Lonesome Road Ministry, putting gospel tracks in with our cassette tapes. And we'd take them and on the road with me and I'd pass them out to people out on the road. And then in 2001, my dad had a heart attack. And we took him to Springfield, Illinois, and he was gonna to have to have open heart surgery. And me and my brother-in-law, Kenny Stolomeyer, witnessed to my dad and asked him about his relationship with Jesus. And he said, boys, don't worry. Me and God's got our own situation. We're okay. And right before they came in to wheel him down, they called the family and said, we're getting ready to take him down. If you wanna, got anything you wanna to talk to your dad about, now's the time. And we went back in there and my dad said, boys, I don't think I'm all right. I want to know this Jesus that you know. And so me and my brother-in-law, Kenny Stottlemyre, got the chance to lead him in a sinner's prayer. And he gave his heart and soul and life to Jesus Christ right there in that hospital room with all of his family around him. And after we got done leading him in the prayer, I stood up and I said, is there anybody else would like to give their heart to the Lord? And my mom said, yes, I'm going where he's going. I want to be saved too. And we got to lead her to the Lord. And then I thought, well, I'll try it again. So I stood up again and I said, is there anybody else would like to give their heart to the Lord? And the guy on the other side of the room with the curtain pulled, I could hear him over there. He said, yes, I'm going too. There was three people got saved right then in that hospital room right before my dad had open heart surgery and then his surgery went well and he came out of there and he gave his heart to the Lord and my mom did and they became even more a part of our ministry and they was in church every Sunday after that and my dad passed away in 2015 but he left behind his fingerprints all over CDs 
and gospel tracts that have been sent all across America. Since we've started that ministry, we've given away over 2 million cassettes and CDs, and they're all over the country. So God has a purpose and God has a plan. In Micah 6, 8, he says, the scripture says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And that's the walk that I have tried to keep ever since I got saved out on the highway. You know, uh, there was a guy who preached a sermon in our church one, one Sunday, and he put a picture on the screen, and it was a man walking from his house to his barn in a big snowstorm. And following along right behind him was this young boy trying desperately to follow in his father's footsteps. And that's what we got to do, friends. We got to follow in our father's footsteps. And I'm talking about our heavenly father. And then I remember one time I went to cowboy church down in Southern Illinois and this drummer was sitting off to the side beating those drums. And right behind him was his four or five-year-old son sitting on a, on a bucket playing the air drums right behind his dad. He was kept his eyes locked on his dad and he was beating the air drums right along with his dad, keeping time with his dad. And first in First John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. We as Christians need to do just as this young lad was doing. We need to keep our eyes on our father and try our best to emulate Jesus. Jesus was all about others. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, God's word tells us, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In uh, John chapter 2, verse 5, Jesus' mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And that's what we have to do. Just do what he says and watch what God can do in our lives. God has a purpose and God has a plan for our lives and he wants us to be everything that we've been called to do. And we can do that if we keep our eyes on him and follow in his footsteps.
that's Jessica Horton off of our Lonesome Road Volume 3 CD, The Day I Met Jesus. That's what this is all about. We're talking about Jesus. And if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, then today is your day. All you got to do is pray a simple little prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Lord, come into my life. Give me a brand new heart. Make me a brand new person that you can use out there on the road. And Lord, I will give my life totally, completely to you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Our phone number is 618-383-2107. Give us a call and let us pray for you and let us send you some more CDs and Bibles, books, whatever it takes to keep you on that path serving God. That's what we want. We want to make you a part of Lonesome Road Ministry. So give us a call. Our phone number is 618-383-2107. Log on to lonesomeroad.org. We want to send you more CDs. We want to help you out there on that old Lonesome Road. And here's another song by Jessica Horton off of our Lonesome Road Volume 3 CD. And it's called 18-Wheeler, You Drive My Love Away. Here's Jessica Horton.
just love the way Jessica Horton done that song right there. I handed her a sheet of lyrics that I had written, and she turned that sheet of lyrics that I handed her into an awesome song. I mean, she added so much to that song that, uh, wow, first time I listened to that, it just blew me away what she had done to that song and how she had made it her own song. I appreciate uh, all the hard work that she put into that, and I appreciate all the hard work that uh, Dennis McKay and and Leslie McKay and the folks down at uh, Mac Records do to help Lonesome Road Ministry. I just love those guys, and they are such a big part of the ministry. So let me put on one more song by Jessica Horton, and this is a song that she wrote, and she wrote it for our Lonesome Road Volume 3 CD. It's called The Rambler, and it is an awesome song. And then I want to talk to you about a picture of Jesus that I mentioned in my testimony.
mentioned in my testimony about that picture of Jesus hanging on the wall of that church when I first walked in that little country church and the convicting power it had on me. The feeling of conviction that came over me was overwhelming. And then just a few short months later, out on the highway, God used a billboard with a picture of Jesus with a crown of thorns, blood dripping off his finger, pointing at me, and the sign read, this one's for you. He used this not only to convict me, but to draw me unto him. I was saved driving down the road August 13, 1995, when I cried out to Jesus and asked him to come into my heart and save me. The Bible tells us uh, in Acts 17, 29, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. We're not to worship the picture, but God can use that picture that we have in our mind to convict us, to draw us unto him. I have a picture of Jesus in my truck, and I've had this picture ever since I got saved in 1995. I've used this picture to witness to numerous people over the years. Every time another driver would get into my truck, eventually he would ask me about the picture. That would open the door for me to share my testimony and then tell how I came to have a picture of Jesus in my truck. You see, right after I got saved, my wife and seven-year-old daughter was at a rummage sale one day when my daughter, Brittany, spied this picture of Jesus on the table. She wanted to buy this picture for her daddy, who she had seen the change in, and realized that it was Jesus that had transformed her daddy into a new man. I've carried that picture in every truck I've driven since 1995. I thought my daughter probably didn't remember that, and I asked her about it one day, and she said, yes, I remember. She remembers paying 10 cents for that picture. And I remember the look on my little girl's face when she brought that to me and handed it to me, how her face lit up. For years and years and years, we had a picture of Jesus on our CDs. And the reason for the picture was, I know the convicting power that a picture of Jesus has on lost people out in the world. The Bible tells us in John 12, 32, that if we lift up the name of Jesus, he will draw all men unto him. And that's what this ministry is all about, lifting up the name of Jesus. We do it through testimonies, we do it through preaching, and we do it through songs. And I want to share another song with you right now, one that I wrote for my little girl, Brittany. When she was getting ready to get married, I'd written several songs about my little girls. And her sister, Nicole, used a song I wrote called I Saw an Angel in her wedding. And when Brittany was getting married, I told my friend Bill Shell, I said, Bill, I need to write a song for Brittany for her wedding. And uh, I need your help. <laughs> and Bill said, I'd be glad to help you. And he helped me write this song called Beautiful Angel. And he even came and sang this at Brittany's wedding. Here's my good friend and songwriting partner, Bill Shell with a song for my little girl, Brittany Dawn, called Beautiful Angel. 
Thank you. 
son, with each new generation, there's always some new fad that seems to put a gap between a boy and his dad. But there's really not much difference between 60s rock and today's hip-hop. My dad called Grandpa Father the same way you call me Pop. Now I may not dig your lingo or the way you get your kicks. It's even been said, and I guess it's true, old dogs can't learn new tricks. So it could be that I'm not hip. But I'm just not ready to believe that there could ever be a gap between my boy and me. I remember not too long ago, I would take you by the hand. And the way your eyes looked up at me made me a much taller man. You would ask a thousand questions about the stars and the trees. And if I threw a rock or chewed on an old twig, you would always copy me. I saw myself growing up again, watching you become a man. And now you have a little boy that you misunderstand. It gives me mixed emotions, sometimes happy, sometimes sad. But my proudest moment was the day you said, I love you, Dad. Life changes with changing times, and that's how it should be. And son, before you know it, you may feel the same as me. So if you sometimes ask yourself what this world is coming to, well, I'm sure you'll find the answer by looking back at me and you. Hey friends, we like to close all of our radio programs with a song that I wrote, and it's called At the Foot of the Tree, and this is my testimony in song, and this is my partner, Dennis McKay, to sing it for you, and this is off of our Lonesome Road, Volume 1 CD. It's called At the Foot of the Tree. At the crossroads of life Lost without hope Eighteen wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track had read his words still echoing in the back of my head I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past Hey drivers, we appreciate you letting us ride along with you in the cab. And you can contact us at 618-383-2107 or you can log on to our website at lonesomeroad.org and Check us out on the web. You can listen to all of our radio programs on our website on our broadcast from the past page. 
So check it out. And if you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, then give us a call and let us know. Broken hearted and lonesome, so long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree.